Hi, this is Malia Warner. Welcome to Power Principles, the podcast. This is episode eight, the power of play to beat winter blues. Hi, everybody. First off, I'm so excited to announce an upcoming class at the American Fork Utah Library. It will be a class for moms. We call it simply Moms Club. It's a class and a discussion group primarily for moms who have little kids at home. I dislike labels. I dislike the label stay-at-home mom and working mom. So I'm just going to say it's primarily for moms who are full-on engaged up to their neck in the work of raising little people and who love being a mother and who love spending time with their kids, but who sometimes really want to get out and connect with other women and get in touch again with their intellect and thoughts and ideas and learn something new and gain some new skills. So this class is especially for you mamas with little ones who seem to be constantly at your feet. Bring those little ones with you. You don't have to find a babysitter. Come to the American Fork Library, the Gardener Room. We are going to have a 30-minute class on different mothering topics, followed by a question and answer period, discussion group, sharing stories, learning, growing together, and supporting one another in our mothering work. This is the class I wish I had when I had little people at home. We're going to be discussing the physical, emotional, and mental work of mothering We'll talk about our identity and worth, how to find the me in my mothering work. We'll talk about work, rest, and play balance, how to recharge your own personal battery, how to deal with that sleep deprivation. We will talk about postpartum depression, anxiety, and give real tools for how to stay healthy and happy as a mother. You can get specific daytime information and class topics at maliawarner.com forward slash classes. Last week's episode, we talked about giving ourselves permission to play and the power of incorporating play in our lives. Play is the area where we get to get rid of the pressure. We get out of the high pressure need for performance and results, and we enter a space where we're able to discover, create, explore without serious consequences. And a lot of really amazing ideas and inventions have come to people through playing. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about some specific playful things that I've incorporated in my life over the past couple of years that have helped me survive the winter blues. I don't know how many people out there are like me that get real bluesy in the winter. This is a real thing. There's a scientific name for it called seasonal mood disorder. And for a long time, I wasn't even aware of it. Well, I lived in Arizona where it was so sunny. February and March were ideal times of the year. And then we moved back to Utah and I didn't notice it for several years. And then finally it started to click in. Oh, it's not just me. It's January and it's February and it's March. And I just started to realize that those were really gloomy months for me and that everything just got harder for me during those months. It just seemed harder to be motivated. It seemed harder to be productive. It seemed harder to be a mom and to be just happy and be a happy wife and a happy person. And it was actually very helpful to realize that it was a seasonal thing and not a character flaw. I don't know, maybe it is a character flaw, but at least it's a three-month character flaw. It's not going to last forever. And that as the sun started coming out towards April and May, that it would get better and it would get easier. So just being aware of that helped me to be more prepared for it coming on so that I could kind of have a plan of action. 
And so now when Christmas ends and the holidays are over and January drags into February and I just feel really down and it's harder to get my gears going, it's harder to get my motor going, I don't fight myself so much. I go, okay, this is normal, this is temporary and I have some plans in place to give myself a little extra care and a little extra permission, a little extra leeway during those gray, dark, cold winter months that have really helped. And this year especially, it's March already. And wow, it feels like January and February went by super fast. And I don't feel like this winter is never going to end. It's actually been much more energizing. So here are a couple of playful things that I have incorporated into my life that have helped me not only to survive, but also to thrive through winter. The first challenge I had moving from Arizona to Utah was that my go-to exercise has been walking, walking with girlfriends, walking outdoors, Walking is miraculous. And for women, I swear it's not just the walking, but the walking and talking. Sometimes I think it's the talking that is far more therapeutic than even the walking, the connecting, the talking, the verbal problem solving, just getting things off our chest. And I like both ways. I like going for walks by myself when I can just be to my own thoughts and working things out on my own. And I like walking with other women also, or taking a walk with my husband or taking a walk with my kids. Just a great chance to get out, enjoy nature, move the body, and also connect. So walking during the winter presented a challenge. And not so much that I was a wimp about being cold, although I am, I'm kind of a wimp about being cold. But my neighborhood really has poor lighting, does not have a lot of street lights. And when it's icy on the roads, it's just dangerous. I just don't like the risk of slipping on the black ice and going down, breaking a leg or whatever. And so I ended up just stopping my walking routine during the winter. And so then by the time January, February, March rolled around, I was really cooped up inside. I wasn't exercising. And that really started to weigh down on my mental health and my energy. So after a few years of this pattern, I recognized that I needed to do something to make sure that I kept moving during the winter months. And a couple of years ago, I set a New Year's goal that I was going to be able to run two miles without stopping on the treadmill at the gym. I am not a runner. I know for a lot of you, running two miles without stopping is like nothing. You could do it without breaking a sweat. Not me. I pant like a rabid dog after I've run a quarter mile and every part of my body is begging to stop and begging to walk. I can walk for miles and miles and miles, but to run, ooh, not my best thing, but I made a goal and it got me consistently going to the gym and making sure I was moving and running on the treadmill. And I did it by like February. And I swear that I did it by February just so that I wouldn't have to do it again for the rest of the year. I swear that day I just kept going and going on the treadmill and didn't let myself stop so that I could say, I got it done. I ran my two miles. I don't have to do it again. And I did it that one time and I didn't do it again. So I will not be teaching the class on keeping your goals for an entire year, at least when it comes to running. If you're catching on by now, you're realizing that I like to figure out how to make things as easy as possible and trick my brain into believing that they're easy and fun and that I won't die. So that wasn't bad. That wasn't a bad year. That did help me get through the winter blues a little better and kept me exercising, which exercise, whether it has anything to do with weight loss, I don't think it's about weight loss. I think exercise has so much more importance in what it does for our mental health and our brain health and just overall how we feel. I do believe exercise is much more about how we feel than about how we look. 
But going into the next winter, I knew that running on the treadmill, my brain was not going to buy that trickery again, especially because I had fallen on the treadmill. I'd had not too serious an accident, but you know, when you go down on a treadmill, the treadmill does not stop. It keeps going. And so you end up with the treadmill burns on your arms and your knees. And for me, the side of my face. And what was so funny or really not so funny was that when I fell, I was listening to music. I had my earbuds in and then my phone was in the little pocket on the treadmill. And so when I went down, the wire from my earbuds pulled the phone and sent it flying across the gym. And I heard an audible gasp from everyone else who was running on the treadmill or doing the elliptical machine. And it was not about me. It was about my phone. All of the eyes just watched this phone sail through the air and crash to the floor. And then immediately there was a crowd of people surrounding my phone doing CPR to make sure that my phone was okay, which it's really true. These days, our phones are like an appendage. It's really like cutting off our head if we lose our phone. I have so much information in there. It's it's the extension of my brain. And then once the crowd had my phone taken care of, then they came and turned off the treadmill and helped me get back to my feet again. And I was really embarrassed and I left. So long story short, I knew that my brain was not going to be all that hip about the running miles on a treadmill again. So I had to come up with something else. And somehow I got the idea that a mini trampoline would be so Fun. I asked for Christmas and Santa delivered a $35 mini trampoline. I know because the elves left the receipt in the box. And then I spent the rest of the winter jumping on my mini trampoline. So really I had been reading and learning about the benefits of kinetic energy and kinetic jumping. So jumping up and down cleans out your lymph nodes and it's really good for your immune system. So jumping on the trampoline I thought would be a good way to try to ward off the viruses and all of the strep throat and colds and flu that go around during the winter months. Jumping can also stimulate a sluggish thyroid and increase the release of energizing brain hormones such as serotonin, endorphins, norepinephrine, and adrenaline. But more than that, I thought it would just be something that I could commit to more easily. Let's see, climb out of my warm covers on a dark, cold, snowy winter morning, drive to the gym and run two miles on a treadmill, or roll out of bed in my pajamas, tilt down my trampoline, turn on some 80s cardio music and jump. Yeah, knowing myself, I figured I was going to be much more likely to stick with jumping on the trampoline. And so that's what I did. I gave myself permission for the winter to jump on a trampoline. So I didn't outline any workout requirements. I didn't specify a length of time that I had to jump or a certain routine that I had to do or a certain amount of calories that I needed to burn or pounds that I needed to lose or anything like that. I just said for the months of January and February and into March, as long as it takes for it to be spring, I give myself permission for my exercise to be jumping on a trampoline. And then if I jumped a little on my trampoline and then did some yoga, I considered that a bonus. And so I would. I would crank up the 80s cardio music and just jump on my trampoline. And it's so glamorous to watch. 40-year-old lady, massive bedhead, saggy pajamas, jumping to 80s cardio music. And because I've birthed five children, my bladder has the elasticity of a 20-year-old swimsuit. So I have to run to the bathroom about three times per every 10-minute jumping session. It's so flattering and I will likely never be posting video of those trampoline routines, 
but it has been so fun. I turn on the Pointer Sisters Jump or the Go-Go Girls or the Romantics or some Bon Jovi and I just jump. And it gets my heart rate going and it gets me sweating and I end up feeling really energized for my day. And I don't just jump straight up and down. I mean, the trampoline did come with an instruction manual with some suggested routines and movements. I could do some grapevines and some twists and some jumping jacks and some lunges. And I've almost perfected a perfect backflip. Okay, totally kidding. But I can jump backward off the trampoline. The point is, it's not Olympic level. It is not glamorous, which is great because it's not supposed to be any of those. It is playful. I have no expectations of outcomes or results. I'm not performing for anyone. I'm not training for a marathon. I'm not getting in shape for the Miss Universe pageant. I'm just playing. I'm finding something that feels energizing and playful that helps me get through the gloomy winter months. And I like it and it has really helped me. So there you go, a mini trampoline or anything else, just something that feels playful for you that you know you can get up and get doing to help you get through the long winter days. Or if you live in Arizona, you will do the flip of this and plan playful, fun things that can get you to survive those long summer months, which will likely include hours spent in nice, refreshing swimming pools. Another way I've become a little more playful in winter is that I've given myself permission to walk outside. I know, mind-blowing, right? Who'd have thought? But really, I just believed that I shouldn't go walk outside when it was winter time. And so this year, I just decided, you know what? I'm not going to stay cooped up indoors the whole winter. It's going to be cold. It might be snowy. It might be kind of icy. And that's okay. I can handle it. And I also gave myself permission to not have to do my exercise first thing in the morning. And I decided I'm going to go for walks in the middle of the day. I'm going to walk at noon. I'm going to do lunch and then have a walk. And it's amazing how miracles unfold once you decide something, once you set an intention. Because, and I'm not even really sure how we got started, but I have one girlfriend and we just started texting each other for spontaneous walks. They're not planned in advance. There's nothing scheduled on my calendar. Usually it's a quick text in the morning that just says, walk today, noon. And what I love is that if it doesn't work for either of us, we simply respond, can't today, not today maybe tomorrow, like no apology, no big long explanation of that I have to pick up this child and take him there and then to the doctor's appointment, blah, 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 blah. Quick texts, totally spontaneous. And these spontaneous daytime walks have been so healthy and good for me this winter. So thank you, my walking friend. And I found myself doing it with other women in my neighborhood more often too. And I get caught up in their lives more and get outdoors. I'm appreciating more how beautiful the winter world is around me and that it can actually be very lovely and sunny at noon on a January day. And you guessed it, if it's blizzarding, I'm not outside having a walk. I'm not a diehard. I'm not training for a marathon running in whatever weather. You crazy, lovely people who do that, I admire you. I admire you from inside my warm, cozy home while you run past in the slush. And I wait for the sun to come out and then go for a walk. For me, for my brain, I know that it's not effective if I label it as exercise. If I call it exercise or say that I have to do it for a certain amount of time or on a certain schedule, for me, it's far more effective to leave the parameters very flexible and I actually end up doing it far more often and enjoying it much more. 
It's an example of how having a brain filter of playfulness has helped me to stay more active, upbeat, and be a little less gloomy during the winter months. Okay, the last playful thing I want to talk about that has helped me get through the last few winter months is giving myself permission to have a getaway. This might be a winter weekend trip with my husband. It might be scheduling my own writer's retreat, or it might be finding a conference on a topic that I really want to learn about. What's important is that it's something that gives me a change of scenery, a change of pace, and recharges my battery. So last winter, when my husband had a business trip scheduled in San Diego, I got a plane ticket and tagged along with him. Someplace sunny is a great escape in the middle of winter. And the most important thing for me on a getaway like this is to give myself permission to enjoy the whole trip, to not allow myself thoughts about, I shouldn't have left my kids, this is too selfish, this is too self-serving, we could have used the money from the plane ticket on something else. I have to shut down all of those thoughts and not allow myself to go into guilt mode or regret mode, buyer's remorse mode, second guessing, all of those things that my negative brain throws out whenever I try to do something that's self-maintenance and self-care and really allow myself to be there, be present on the trip, enjoy eating out, enjoy the hotel, Overall, giving myself permission to play, permission to be happy, permission to enjoy the moment. I've also found winter months are a good time to schedule a little writer's retreat. With Airbnbs and VRBOs so readily available now, it's pretty easy to find an inexpensive retreat, a chance to get away without having to travel too far or spend very much money. Or if you want to travel far and spend a lot of money, that's fine too. A writer's retreat is very recharging to me as an introvert because I'm completely alone for a few days entirely lost in my own thoughts. If just hearing me mention being alone for a couple of days locked away by yourself sounds absolutely divine, you're probably an introvert. If the idea of being locked in a room by yourself for two or three days sounds like torture to you, you're probably not an introvert. So knowing yourself and what kind of a getaway would recharge your battery is important. If you're an extrovert, you probably want to plan a getaway with some close friends. Now I want to talk to the mamas out there who have young children at home. The reality of getting away by yourself or with friends for a couple of days is not very likely. You can hardly take a shower or have 10 minutes of quiet time in the bathroom without little fingers reaching for you under the door. But you can still have a getaway, you can still have a change of scenery, and the break is important. Nursing moms, you have probably a two-hour window. One of the most helpful things my husband and I discovered to help me keep my sanity was to get out of the house one night a week and go to the library. So we picked Thursday nights just because that was what was open for us. And after dinner, I would just leave. I wouldn't do the dishes. I wouldn't do any of the cleanup. And I would just go and I would have like two hours at the library until closing. Now for a mom with little kids at the time, reading a book was not very probable. I could barely read through my electricity bill without getting interrupted. Mamas, you know what I'm talking about. You can hardly formulate a complete sentence in your head with all those little voices around crying for help and attention. So I didn't go to the library to check out books. I went to the periodical section. Magazines, short articles, pictures, that was right up my level. And all of the articles that would interest me when I would walk by them in the checkout line of the grocery store that's what I would go and read. I would go read Glamour magazine. I would go read People magazine. I would go read Oprah magazine. If I was having a good night and feeling ready for a little intellectual challenge, I might crack open the Reader's Digest. 
And it was amazing how that two hour break once a week made such a difference for me as a mother. It gave me just enough recharge in my battery to be able to go back and face the rest of my long week with my little kids. It is so important as mothers that we take breaks, that we recharge our batteries, that we refuel. Mothering is a job. Mothering is an occupation. We don't expect our cars to run without refueling them, without filling them up with gas, without recharging the batteries, getting new tires, filling up the windshield washer fluid. And it's the same for our mothering work. We require maintenance. We need fuel. We need our batteries recharged so that we can be sharp and running. And having a little getaway to the library once a week was something that worked really well for me. My husband and I both agree, and we would both advise any couples with young children at home to make sure that the primary caregiver has some time off from work. Other little getaways I like are finding a conference. When I lived in Arizona, Time Out for Women started, and attending a conference with other women and other moms and listening to inspirational speakers was really recharging for me. Also, I've discovered writers' conferences, education week, self-help workshops, random classes through the continuing education programs at local universities, and anything that gets me out and gets me doing and engaged and that feels playful. Something I can do that doesn't have a big consequence or a big result expected or that's going to create a lot of problems if I don't show up. For a lot of moms, and I know I felt this way, sometimes we recognize so much that we need a break from our children that we think we'll get a job. And it's true, going to a job would give us a change of scenery and a change of pace. But it is a job. And do you really need another job in addition to the mothering job that you already have? We don't need to have a job or be earning a paycheck in order to have permission to get a break and go do something to recharge ourselves. It's okay to give ourselves permission to take a break and go play. I think it seems easier to feel justified leaving children if you're going to go work. We feel fine with that, comfortable with that. Oh, I can leave my children because I'm working. I can get a babysitter or expect my husband to stay home with the kids because I'm working. It's much harder to feel justified leaving the kids to go play, right? Because it's play. It sounds like it's wasting time. But in the long run, getting an outside job could end up being far more stressful for you, for your health, and for your kids and family than giving yourself permission to get out and play. Because you know I'm not talking about leaving your kids day after day for hours on end so you can go drink at the local bar. That is not play. That is avoiding life. That is avoiding responsibility. I'm talking about having the kind of break, the kind of getaway that recharges your batteries so that you are better able to face life, to make decisions, to accomplish your responsibilities. I'm talking about finding ways to be playful so that you can be a healthier, happier, more energized you. So I hope today's episode has given you a couple of ideas or sparked some ideas of your own, ways that you can incorporate playfulness into your life, especially times that feel heavy and sluggish and gloomy. For me, those are the winter months. And I have found that applying playfulness is a powerful way to beat winter blues. So I invite you to think of something. Think of a way that you can play that will help you spark your creativity, recharge your battery, and reinvigorate your energy levels. Thank you for listening. This is Malia Warner. I will meet you back here next week with another great episode of Power Principles, the podcast.